Hi everybody, we're joined today by Uche, the creator behind the wildly hilarious webtoon original Vibecheck. And as personal updates, Akil has been traveling across the world and I've been relocating cross country, so we really appreciate everyone's patience as we've been away. But we have so many amazing stories in the queue, so we're really excited to be back. We had a lot of fun unpacking Uche's story, including what it's like to portray himself as a squishy, imperfect lead character in a series and the resulting vulnerability, discuss the loving support he's gotten from his fans who aren't afraid to also be hilarious, and talk through the underrepresentation of black characters on Webtoon and what can be done about it, and so much more. Here's Uche, and hope you enjoy. Uche, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. How's the vibe today? Who has a better vibe between us? I guess we'll find out. But how's your vibe today? <laughs> My vibe today is uh, tired, mostly. I was traveling this weekend, so I'm kind of uh, getting over jet lag. But, you know, overall, the vibe's pretty positive, so can't complain too much. Yeah, well, we appreciate having you uh, on the show. Do you mind telling our listeners a little bit about who you are? Give yourself a little intro. Yes. My name is Uche Uzosike. I'm a comic artist and animator. Uh, I'm from Maryland. Uh, I created Vibecheck on Webtoon, which is why I'm here. Yeah, like I've just been doing comics for as long as I can remember. And I just, I love anime and comics and all things insanely nerdy. And so like, I really try to show that through my work. But yeah, like happy to be here. So on your Instagram, it does say that you are weeb extraordinaire. And I know it's hard to pick a favorite <laughs> anime, but do you have any, like a, a few anime or manga that come to mind that you're like, these are some of the ones that I love. It's hard. Favorite is unfair. And anybody who asks you for a favorite one, it's, ridic it's a ridiculous question. Yeah, it's, it's, it's what insane to have to choose. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I will say, okay, um, in terms of anime, I will say that there are a couple that are near and dear to my heart for various reasons. Yu Yu Hakusho was my first actual anime that I ever watched. And I love that anime just for being the first and kind of introducing me to the whole world of it. Dragon Ball was my first manga. And so the manga is really close to my heart. The anime I didn't watch till later, but that one really stuck with me. Like the OG, like Kid Goku, Dragon Ball from the 80s. That one, big one for me. And then, you know, there's the obvious ones like Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood that, you know, everyone kind of loves, but it's, you know, that one I also, I also like a lot. And then I don't know, a lot of people, there's debate about whether this counts under the anime umbrella, but pretty much anything by Hayao Miyazaki is mm. just deeply integral to what inspires me anime wise. So yeah, those are usually like the biggest ones that stand out to me when I think about must reads or must watches in terms of things that I am inspired by. So for you, was your entry into comics through anime and manga? Were there other sources as well? Yeah, how did you kind of get into this world? Um, well, actually, it was through Western cartoons, actually. Mm. My, my love of comics really was an offshoot of my love for animation and, and cartoons. Um, but as a kid, you don't really know how to animate. You don't really know how it all works. It's like drawings, mm. but it's moving, and you don't really understand how all that works. But... What you can do is draw little characters on paper and then draw them in sequence and make it seem like there's a story happening. And so I would do that because I grew up watching, you know, like Fairly Odd Parents and SpongeBob, Danny Phantom, pretty much every cartoon that came out while I was that age, I watched. And so like, I just, I had this love for all things cartoon and I couldn't animate, obviously. So 
the, the next closest thing I could do was 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 draw comics because you know you can write the dialogue and you can have the action happening and you can have your little cartoon characters and just my desire to create that kind of story was pretty much what inspired me to sit down and start drawing things out but yeah it was mostly just the the cartoon element and then anime came later as as it does and kind of changed my entire life so I'd say western cartoons first though how did you come up with your art style? I think the art style for Vibe Check is super, super unique. I would say like Uche and like the the Vibe character that comes in, I would say they almost feel like they're two different styles, but they work together. Like it just blows my mind how unique the style is. And at least the way I would describe it, it's like, it's like you've drawn inspiration from a bunch of different Western like print newspaper comics and brought them together. Um, but it ends up creating something that's very new. So how did you come up with your art style? That's a very complicated question, but a very good one. So my art style is notorious for, for changing a lot and just evolving over time. Um, but I will say that it you're correct. That it is kind of a, a hodgepodge of all the things that I like. You know, growing up, the way that I learned to draw was that I would look at something that I really liked and I would say, how do they do that? How do they make it look like that? And I would take influence by like, like the thickness of the lines, what kind of colors are used, what kind of you know, what color the lines are for the line work, all of that stuff. And I would try to incorporate it if I really liked it. There is a lot of influence from, you know, Western comics, like Western comics and Western cartoons where there's bolder lines and really, you know, there's an emphasis on shading. There's an emphasis on having something that's very simple, but can be made to be more expressive or, you know, detailed if it needs to be. Mm. But then also there are some anime elements where, there's a lot of hard edges. There's, there's a lot of, you know, dynamic poses and things like that. Um, and I think that something that also made a difference was that some of the anime that I was inspired by also had similarities to Western cartoons. If you look at mm. the original Dragon Ball, it was kind of a comedic slapstick adventure story. And the art style resembled Peanuts, like the Peanuts, like Charlie Brown mm. comics. It was very like cartoony, very silly you know so it had that kind of blend of western and the kind of japanese manga style and so that kind of blend really stood out to me and so as i developed my art style there was always this kind of blend of like those two elements because i thought that they both had elements that really really worked well individually and together mm -hmm. i'm glad that you mentioned the juxtaposition between the main character and the vibe fairy because that was very much intentional when i was going into it is that I wanted my character to be like really squishy and round and, and, you know, very malleable and, you know, very almost like he's like a rubber hose character where it's like, he can be any shape and size or whatever. And then yeah. I wanted the vibe fairy to be very hard edged, very stoic. Like his face rarely changes. He's a very deadpan character. And so like the dynamic between having such a hard edge stoic mm. character and a very bouncy, expressive, ridiculous character just felt like a really fun dynamic that also spoke to their personalities and so that just seemed like a very intuitive choice for you know putting these two characters together i want to get into the the character design for the two main characters but before we do that another kind of juxtaposition that you have or something that you blend is you use japanese like onomatopoeias <laughs> it's, it's funny because like I, I feel like so many people have read manga and they've become very familiar from either reading manga or reading anime you know things like sheen you know things that you'll have in your anime or in your uh, comic rather. And it's so familiar now to like what audiences around the world. 
did it feel pretty natural for you to incorporate those elements from anime and manga into a comic that's like created by someone from the West? Absolutely. It felt very intuitive because it just, for me, it, it's inherent to the visual language of mm -hmm. comics for me. You know, a lot of the comics that I grew up reading, you know, especially manga, they would have, you know, onomatopoeia is just, you gotta have it. It's it's essential. It's, it's almost a meme for a lot of it. You have the, you know, pow, you know, zok, all the weird like things that they would write as onomatopoeia, you know, even in old comics. And so like having the Japanese versions of them being very like, very interesting and you know a lot of times people don't necessarily understand the characters and i mean i recognize a lot of them but i don't personally speak japanese but like <laughs> because i'm so like familiar with it as a visual element in storytelling it just felt very intuitive to me because it was something that inspired me and i think there's almost something to not necessarily being able to read the onomatopoeia because mm -hmm. to me it's like these symbols just indicate impact um, yeah. you know, it's, it's impact yeah. because you see these images and I'm like, I don't know what that means, but I know what it means in context, but because it's a symbol, it fits so neatly into the visual storytelling. And so it just seemed like something that was really fun to throw in there, especially because I do have a lot of anime references and it's very personal in that, like, it's a comic being, you know, made by somebody who loved anime and is about a character who loves anime. And so I felt like kind of having those elements of like just weebery felt very natural to me. So yeah, like that was just a very deliberate choice. It's one of those things where like, you can fly past it and you're like, that makes complete sense. And you're like, there's actually <laughs> something to pick at here because it's so it's so interesting how it all comes together. I mean, the, the other thing I wanna get into is, you know, you have two main characters that the story surrounds and one of them is you. So talk to us about, <laughs> I guess the concept of like, First, just like how you came up with the idea and then what it was like to put yourself in a story. Yeah, man, uh, that is, <laughs> that's a very, that's a question I get a lot because, you know, there are areas where the, the idea of a self-insert character, it's very hit or miss where, mm. you know, the idea of putting yourself in a character and putting that character in a story is like, almost like a cop-out, you know, it's easy. You don't have to really think too hard about creating a character or people try to show themselves or portray themselves in a more flattering light by having this main character who's a self-insert who's just really cool and really awesome and is, you know, just like has everything down. But I kind of wanted to go in the opposite direction where it's a portrayal of myself, but it's not very flattering. You know, it's not, <laughs> he's not exactly the most put together character. It's, it's, mm. it's a lot of it is taking the most abrasive elements of myself and putting them into a character like he's he can be insecure he can be very brash and like not think things through and he can be he can he can act before he thinks and kind of fly off the handle and be not all that put together you know I I draw him as like a little gremlin boy um <laughs> and a lot of people meet me in person and they're just like I thought you were like five two because you draw yourself like a little dumpling <laughs> Uh, and like, I'm six too. So it's like, they're just like, why do you draw yourself like a little gremlin boy? And I just think it's funny. Like, it's just, it's funny to like poke fun at yourself. And I think that the visual medium is such a great way to do that. And, you know, you have a lot of caricature artists who do this as a living where they take somebody's face or they take somebody's likeness and they exaggerate it to insane degrees. And both with, you know, his physical appearance and his personality, those were things that I kind of took for myself and just expounded on and exaggerated to a ridiculous way. 
Um, but it also serves the story because the story is definitely about self-discovery and self-understanding and self-perception. And I felt that if I'm going to write a story where a lot of the lessons involve taking a look at yourself and kind of understanding yourself, taking a stance on things that are personal, it would make sense to include myself to really practice what I preach in a way and kind of tackle things that are issues that I have dealt with in my life or the issues that I am dealing with in my life, because I feel like you connect better with people when you do put a piece of yourself out there. And mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people will see that, you know, I'm poking fun at myself or I'm sharing a story that comes from my own life. It, it speaks to them more because they know that it's coming from a place of experience. It's coming from a place of, you know, me sharing something personal. And, and I think that that's something that is meaningful to people. And it's been meaningful to me getting to kind of put that out there in that way. Did your process change at all because you are a character? And what I mean by that is, I feel like when you're creating a character in general, mm -hmm. you're drawing from real experiences and, and using that to shape a character. And you have to be very kind of honest and ruthless in a way to make sure that you're kind of putting something very raw out there for people to react to and for people to fall in love with. I feel like if you're putting yourself out there, I'd be like, well, I want myself to like look really cool and like feel really good. I mean, did you run into any of that or were you like able to distance this and be like, you know what, this is about having fun. This is about the message I want to get across. And it felt more like a character rather than like a direct extension of yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a, definitely a little bit of both where mm. I did want it to still feel personal while still having that slight disconnection of it being just like me, mm. because that is a scary thing. You're putting it out there for an audience. And, you know, if they reject the character, then then you feel like they're rejecting you. Like if they don't like the character, it's like they don't like you. Mm. And that can be a scary thing. But I think I was fortunate in that the reason that I started using myself as a character was for a different reason. I used to, like, I started posting comics on Instagram and that's kind of where I did most of my, you know, most of my art and did most of my work. And on Instagram, like Instagram comics, usually a lot of the comics are self-inserts. They're usually slice of life, relatable stories of people's everyday lives. And they'll just be talking about you know, something that happened to them, like this is them telling a story of how they experienced like a very funny interaction out in public or something like that. And the artist will just draw that story um, with them as the main character because it's their story. And so that was kind of the environment where I started posting work. So a lot of my comics were just stories about me or just like things I would make up, but I thought were funny, mm -hmm. but I would include myself as the character because it was still that same kind of relatable webcomic style where the artist is the main character. So when I created the Vibe Fairy, that was just an extension of, oh, well, I'm going to make up a weird interaction that I had, and I'm just going to put it out there like, it's not a relatable thing, but it's something that I'm just like, here's how I would react in this situation mm. if this really specific weird thing happened. And that was kind of the beginning of it. And then it just kind of snowballed into like its own story. And I just mm -hmm. happened to be the main character. So I had the option to change the main character and make it like a completely different character with no connection to myself. But I felt that having the main character be me served the story better. And so I kind of kept it that way because I felt like it just it just worked with the dynamic. And um, I never really feel that feeling of like rejection because I think that in a lot of ways, the character, because it has a lot of the elements that I see in myself that aren't necessarily always positive, it's like, in a way they're supposed to not like those things. You know, they're things that mm. I don't necessarily think are great qualities, but they're, you know, they make for an interesting character. Um, and I think that every character should have flaws. And if people can't 
recognize your character's flaws, then I don't think you've really created a well-rounded character. So yeah, that just seemed like a very natural extension of what I was already doing, you know? It seems like you're like, well, I'll make something for Instagram, something that's like punchy, funny for panel comics. Mm -hmm. Is that just like a type of story that you naturally found yourself telling as you were learning how to make comics and drawing since you were a little kid? Yes, yes. So like I said before, I had a lot of influence from from cartoons and, you know, anime that I would watch. And a lot of those were comedy adventure stories. Mm. And so when I first started, and I was like maybe second grade when I first started like making comics, I would try to tell those. Like they would be like, you know, long form story type things. And I mean, they weren't very good, you know, but they were like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I like them. That was just something I did for a while. And then, you know, they were kind of derivative, but, you know, they were fun to make. I think there was a short stretch of time where I wasn't really making comics as much because I didn't really have time and school got a lot more busy and I would get in trouble a lot for drawing in class. So <laughs> I, I wouldn't really do it as much in school. But then when I picked it back up, I wanted to make stuff that was just like short and funny. It was quicker to draw. And I felt that I was actually in a place in my life where I was like, I actually am kind of funny sometimes. <laughs> uh, and so I would try to tell little stories and like, they'd be really short and to the point, or like, they'd just be like one panel jokes. Like they'd be like a pun in art form or something like that. And then when I got to college and I would just draw in my free time, um, when I first started doing digital art was in college. And so I started doing short little relatable joke things between classes. Like I would have a class, I'd get out, I'd sit down in like the cafe or something and I'd start drawing like a little, you know, comic just to like, <laughs> you know, just to tell a story of, of something that I thought was really funny. Like I remember there was a, a comic I did on syllabus day it was the first day of classes and my professor was like 900 years old and I was like <laughs> this guy and this guy was talking at a snail's pace like I mean it felt like maybe 10 words per minute that's what it felt like and so I was like once I got out of that class I was just like I have to make a comic about this like I have to illustrate what just happened because me and my friend were dying laughing about how like that we were not going to get through the syllabus in one class. <laughs> and so I drew this comic and it was about these two friends sitting in class. And this was before I started using myself as a character. I was still using like characters that I'd made up. And, you know, they're sitting in class and the professor is talking really, really slowly. And then as each panel goes on, it cuts back to the characters and you see that they're like growing beards and they're like aging <laughs> while waiting for this dude to finish his speech. And I show it to my friends and they were just like, this is, this is so great. And they were like, this is so like relatable stuff, you know? And so like having shorter kind of bite-sized comedic things just felt like, felt like a really nice niche for me because my art style was wacky and suited it. And I felt like I had some funny observations to share and it just kind of made sense. So walk us through how you became an originals artist, because from what I see on your Instagram, it seems like you built quite a following there, putting these bite-sized jokes out there. But how did you go from that to being an originals artist? That is a great question because even I'm still kind of in shock about that. Um, so basically, like I said, I, I started doing the kind of slice of life things with myself as the main character. I introduced the vibe fairy and like a lot of my ideas, it started as an inside joke um, with one of my friends. We were talking about, you know, we all know those people who they talk entirely in in the spiritual, you know, it's entirely about energy and vibes and just like meditation and all those things and it was just kind of like those are such interesting people to talk to like they always have very interesting 
ways of phrasing things. And so I was just like, I have an idea for a character where, you know, I'm just having a bad day. And he's just like, it's all about your vibes. Like, you got to you gotta get your vibes right. And he's just like kind of heckling me on the street. Mm-hmm. And it just seemed like a, like a really funny interaction. And I was just writing this character's dialogue. And I was just like laughing to myself because it's just like just using a bunch of big words and like just being really ornate in the language. And that was really fun. And then people really responded to that. Like they really loved that character. And they were like, bring him back, bring him back. He's so funny. Like he, he needs to be a regular character. And so the next comic I made, I was just like, well, why not? So I made another one with the character where he vibe checks me. And that's the one where he like, you know, he'll pop out of my cereal and he'll just be like, hey, I'm, I'm here to vibe check you. It's time. Yeah. And this was around the time the kind of the, you know, getting vibe checked was like a meme where it's like, it was essentially slang for someone beating the crap out of you. Um, uh, and so I just kind of like wanted to meld those two things where it's like, you know, checking someone's vibes in a spiritual or like energy sense versus actually just, you know, molly whopping them for no reason. Uh, and so I kind of combined those things. And at this point, I was just kind of like in love with this character. And I started bringing him back for like regular things where it was just kind of like, he's a vibe fairy. He's like this magical being. He's this, you know, actual interdimensional creature type thing. And he's just, you know, he's actually here to help me get my vibes right. And because it started off as like, you know, oh, this dude's just like insane. And he's call- like shouting me down on the street. It's like, no, he's actually, he's actually got a, a few great points and he knows what he's talking about. Mm. But again, those were like short, little bite-sized comedic things. And then as it kind of progressed, I like to take ideas like a step further. And I was just like, what if we have like an anime battle in the, in the comic? And in my work, there's a, there's a, a through line of a distaste for geese. Don't, don't care for geese. And so it would be like a running joke that I don't like geese. Geese are mean, geese are awful. And I started this comic and essentially like the vibe fairy sees a goose for the first time. He's like, what is this? It's vibes are awful. And I'm just like, oh, it's a goose, you know, like they're, you know, they're awful. And the goose essentially starts beating me up. And it pulls out a knife and the vibe fairy intervenes and he starts like fighting this goose and it turns into this 10 comic epic battle between (laughs) me and the vibe fairy and this goose. And it's just like this over the top ridiculous, like the goose grows like three heads and he's like, you know, fighting and there's like energy blasts and transformations and all this stuff. And, you know, I did this whole thing and I was doing this every week and this was during the pandemic. And so like, there wasn't really much else to do. And so this became my little pet project where I was like every couple of days I would release a new part of the series where it was like part one, part two, part three, part four of like the goose fight. And I'll just, let me clarify something here. This is an eight panel. I was like, oh, maybe you meant eight panel goose fight. No, I'm I, I'm on your Instagram right now. It's literally eight posts. Eight like posts. Yeah, things. there are, there are <laughs> 10, I think there's 10 parts actually. There are 10 parts of this battle where it was just kind of like, it just kept going, you know, and people would comment. They were like, why is this so epic out of nowhere? <laughs> I thought this was just like a silly slice of life thing. And like, it was just, it became this really long project that I was really just having fun doing. And I was like, really, I was, I felt like I was improving my art style just from drawing so many things for this thing, for this, you know, battle. And it got to the end and I like wrapped it up and I had like little animations at the end to kind of like wrap the whole thing up and everyone was just like why is this such an emotional arc like (laughs) this needs to be an anime now and I was just like really happy with it and I wanted to kind of take a break from 
doing vibe check stuff because I didn't want to be pigeonholed into it. So I was like, okay, it's going to have like a dead end, like it's going to end here. And that's going to be like the end of the series, I guess, for now. And so I did that. And then over time, I started posting the chapters to Webtoon. I started like from the very first like vibe check thing. And I started posting all of the comics in sequence onto Webtoon, onto Canvas, like the original strips. And somebody reached out to me. My first editor, uh, HB, reached out to me via email and was just like, hey, I've been following your goose fight on Instagram. Like, I, I really love your work. You know, I work for Webtoon. Now that you've actually started posting onto Webtoon Canvas, I can actually approach you about becoming a Webtoon original because, like, I've been following your work for a while. And mm. I think that your series would be great for Webtoon originals. And I didn't know much about Webtoon at the time, like I knew that it was like, you could read comics for free on it and that there were a bunch of creators who made stuff on it, but I didn't mm -hmm. really know that it was something that you could do as a job. Mm -hmm. And so this was brought up to me and I did some research into it. I was like, this is so cool. Like the fact that you can make comics and be paid to make comics. It's, it's everything that I was told was impossible and that I always dreamed of. Mm. And I was just like, well, I can't say no to this. Like, this is the opportunity of a lifetime, getting to draw all day and get paid for it. <laughs> and so... Yeah, I was just like, absolutely. And we talked about it. And, you know, we started kind of like talking about what the series would be and how I would develop it. And it just kind of snowballed into what it is today, which is pretty different from what it started as. But I think that the shift to originals was really a catalyst for me really exploring the ideas in a more comprehensive way. And it's just been like a really fun experience. So from an artistic and creative sense, what were the big challenges that you had to overcome as you went from the guy who is making epic goose fights on Instagram to like an originals creator. What were the things that you, that you had to kind of take care of from a story and art perspective? Deadlines, deadlines, deadlines. First of all, that's the, that's the biggest thing is before I could tell a story in however long it took me to tell that story. I could just, you know, if, if I couldn't think of an idea for like two weeks, I wouldn't post for two weeks. The thing is when you're writing a story and you have deadlines, you have to really think on your feet. You have to be very swift. You have to think, what can I do? What story can I tell within the time I'm given? Um, and so that really forces you to be a little more creative. You have to think about how do I format this? How do I tell this in a chunk that I can actually complete in a week? You know, And so that was something that was a learning process for me. And also my, my chapters on Webtoon are longer than the slides that are allowed on Instagram. You can only have 10 slides on Instagram. So the maximum amount of panels you can really have, unless you fit a bunch into one, is 10 panels per Instagram comic. And mm -hmm. for Webtoon, each chapter is 15 at least. And I have to do two of those per week. So mm -hmm. there's a lot more of a an emphasis on I need to really tell the story and I really need to like expand on it because there's a lot of room to tell this story. There is a lot of room to tell it. There's a lot to explore with it. But then there's also like you have a deadline. So that made me have to kind of change my process and really think about how I can do it in a more efficient way. But then also from an art perspective, I had to find a visual, visually consistent style um, and a very narratively cohesive story, um, which, which were things that I wasn't exactly used to. And honestly, they were optional, if I'm being honest. Like I was told that I could make it just like random strips. I could keep it with the Instagram format of just like, you know, random one-off stories here and there. I could do it exactly like that. But I thought the idea just had so much potential for a narrative. And I was like, I want to tell an actual story with this. I want to have continuity. 
like yeah there could be episodic stories in here but i want to really i want to explore these characters and i want them to develop and change and grow and go on adventures and all of that so i made it into a narrative which is more difficult in certain ways but i think that it's more rewarding in that there are elements that i can explore now that i couldn't explore before i was an original and also just finding ways to speed up the process and and do things more efficiently for example i used to hand write all of my word bubbles mm. every word bubble i wrote each like letter by hand um when i was done the comic which my first wow. editor thought was absolutely bonkers um <laughs> <laughs> they were like they were like you've been doing this this whole time and that just hearing that stresses me out and so what i ended up doing because i was shifting to originals and I knew that I was going to have to be a lot, you know, swifter in my output. I turned my handwriting into a font. So I, I went and I got one of these programs and I turned my lettering into a specific font. And I, I called the font vibe check because I use it for the series. So I could just type all of my word bubbles, stuff like, like little things like that, where I had to change my process to make it more conducive to the, to the platform. But in doing those things, I think it also made me a better comic artist because I had to be more strategic in how I made things. I had to think harder about how I was presenting things and how I was making things and the efficiency with which I was producing these comics. And so becoming an original really changed those things for me. And I think it was actually very vital to my development as a comic artist. But I think the challenge and what makes your story different is while you do have a narrative kind of connective thread, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's a comedy comic. So I guess mm -hmm. like in terms of writing out the story, what does that look like? Like, do you have the whole narrative mapped out? And then you think about like, well, what's like the points of humor that I'm going to hit each week? What does that sort of look like for you? Yeah, you make a good point where it's like the it's it's comedy and it's just like, how do you map out a narrative um, when you also have to think about the comedy? That's something where I think for me, the narrative is kind of the most important first. And then the comedy should come organically through it. And so I'll think of a scenario that is a funny extension of what's come before, just kind of like expanding on that. It, it, it's almost like improv sometimes. Um, the narrative isn't completely <laughs> mapped out because I feel like, I think for me, I was worried about like, okay, well, what if I lock myself into a specific narrative and then I think of something better and I can't get out of it? You know what I mean? Mm. Um, and I don't want to derail the entire story. And so I think part of what helps me keep the comedy fresh is that despite there being a narrative, I can still change the course as I go along. I can still decide where it goes from any given point based on what I think is funnier or based on what I think is more interesting to explore. There were some general points where I was like, this is a very serious or very important narrative point that I need to hit. This part is essential. Like I cannot deviate from this, but in terms of getting there or the process between getting from point A to point B, that's something that I write genuinely as I go because I want the characters to kind of lead the action I want this to be like what how would the characters get here um in a in a realistic way but in a way that's also funny I think a big part of the comedy is letting the characters just experience these situations and react in ways that they would react while not sacrificing the narrative or any of the actual emotional themes that I'm trying to convey so when there's a serious moment I want to let it be serious but I think that when it comes down to the narrative and if even if it's like a kind of serious part of the story, I still want the characters to react in ways that are unique to their characters. And sometimes the comedy just comes out of the situation or how a character responds to something or just through the way the characters interact with each other. 
while existing within this creative narrative. The, the two really blend together in a natural way, um, mm -hmm. but I think I also have to be very deliberate about making sure I keep the narrative as fresh as the comedy, which usually is its own set of challenges, but I think it usually pays off. What's sort of been the best part about being an Originals creator and what's been the most challenging thing? Wow, that's a loaded question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think the one of the most rewarding parts of being an original creator for me is I think it's I think it's there's two parts to it. I think the first part for me is having the opportunity to really develop a story. I think that that's a very invaluable gift that I've been given is being able to have the room to tell a story that comes from myself to not really be working for or under someone to tell the story and to kind of tell it in a way that feels unique to me. And, you know, and I, you know, I always have those concerns about deadlines, but at the same time, because of those deadlines, I've created so many comics. Like I have maybe 72 chapters now. When I became an original, Vibe Check was only like maybe 15. There was only 15 little comic strips. And now I have a story that spans 72 chapters. And I think that's really, really cool. Just being able to have that body of work that I can look at and be like, wow, I really did all of this. Like I really made this entire story from scratch. And that's really, that's just like a really great gift for me. But then also just seeing the reactions of the readers. I love reading comments. And a lot of, <laughs> a lot of people will say, don't read the comments. You know, you don't want to be discouraged by, you know, the things people say if they're mean. But I think I've been very fortunate both on Instagram and on Webtoon to just have some of the most pleasant, really supportive readers that I've ever like seen. It's actually bizarre. Mm. <laughs> like I've said this to like a lot of my friends where it's like, I feel like the people who comment on my posts and comment on my chapters are funnier than I am. Genuinely. <laughs> like I read the comments and I will be laughing so hard at the things people say. Um, and it's just like a lot of kind words. I'll, I'll have like a post or a comic that has, you know, over a hundred comments and I'll scroll through them and they'll all just be positive. And it's just wild to me. And of course you get some negatives here and there, but I think overall, just like the Webtoon reader base has just been incredibly, incredibly kind to me, especially, you know, having a series that's very different and very, you know, I'm sure isn't everybody's cup of tea. And yet having these readers come in and give it a chance and be really, for lack of a better term, vibing with it, you know, really yeah. vibing with the, with the story and vibing with the characters and enjoying what they're reading and sharing their thoughts on it. It's just like, it's such a rewarding experience just getting to interact with people who enjoy the series. So being on the platform where people come and they're just like, I want to read comics and I want to read your comic and I'm going to comment on it and I'm going to talk about all my theories and I'm going to make head cannons with all the characters. Like all of that stuff is just so exciting to me. It's all part of the process and it's all part of the experience of it. You know, that stuff makes it so worth it. Challenge-wise, I'd say challenge-wise, it's mostly just like time constraints. Like, like mm. getting better at managing time is is challenging. You know, having to worry about you know those kinds of very quick deadlines and trying to tell a a, a good story and with quality art in a short amount of time is challenging. I had a comic where I talked about it, where it's essentially a joke about how sometimes it seems like, oh, how come the art style is like simpler or it's like not as detailed in some of these chapters and like I'm, I'm basically explaining how with deadlines sometimes you have to kind of <laughs> rush the art a bit or it feels like you need to rush mm. and so sometimes it'll be like the the art quality has declined because because I you know I have to rush for this deadline but the main joke is that as the comic goes on the art style in that comic gets 
less and less detailed until it's like <laughs> there's still you can see the sketch layer and everything yeah that's the biggest challenge for me i think is just getting everything done on time but in the grand scheme of things that's a pretty small complaint on my end i'd say because you know i still find ways to make it work and avoid burnout and luckily if you have the right you know people working with you like my editor is he makes sure that like, he's just like, hey, take your time, make sure that you're getting rest, you know, make sure that you get things in when you can, but also like you do have a deadline, but you also have a buffer. So like, don't break your wrist trying to get things done overnight, mm. you know? And that always helps me to remember that like, okay, so I can be a little nicer to myself in the deadline department, but you know, I think overall, that's probably the biggest challenge for me is just the deadline stuff. <laughs> We don't see a lot of Black characters or Black creators on Webtoon. Mm -hmm. As you've gone through this process, do you have a sense of why that might be? Were there any things that you noticed as you've gone through this process? Would love your thoughts on it. Yes. I think there are, are several, well, there are several observations that I've made just mm -hmm. in, in terms of like making my series and also just talking to other creators. And I think that because of the nature of Webtoon's origin and because of the nature of the platform and where it, where it came from there is a culture tied to webtoon where there is you know a lot of it started as korean manhwa it's bigger over there and you know webtoon is bigger mm. in korea and so a lot of times webtoons here even you know the ones that everyone reads on the platform there is that cultural element of korean culture shown through a lot of these webtoons because that mm. is like a lot of it is based over there even a lot of Western comic artists who make webtoons will emulate the kind of Korean manhwa style because that mm. is a very webtoon art style. They've associated it with webtoon. And of course, there are multiple different art styles within that umbrella, but it's like the juxtaposition between, you know, manga and American comics. There's, there's a visual mm. language, there's a style. And so I think that a lot of times that can be intimidating. You know, if you're an artist where you feel like you might not fit into that mold or that may not be your art style or what speaks to you artistically, you may feel like, oh, maybe Webtoon's just not for me. Maybe that's not mm. something that, you know, my style isn't something that's welcome here. And I think that's the other big thing is the fear of not being welcome. I've talked to like a lot of Black Canvas creators who have said that, you know, sometimes they feel as though they don't have as much exposure because they feel as though it's not as popular on the platform. It's not something that people will relate to as much or that it's something that they'll feel, oh, well, you know, that's not for me, you know, that's not something that fits the platform. Um, and so that discourages a lot of Black creators because they feel as though they won't be supported on the platform. And that kind of discourages them from posting, even on Canvas. And I think that that's it's a really unfortunate thing because it's a platform that is meant to be open access. It should be for everybody. And, you know, sometimes, you know, when an environment feels like it won't welcome you, you tend not to even bother, mm. you know, and especially when it's something as personal as a story, as personal as art, you feel as though, you know, rejection is scary, you know, and so sometimes not wanting to be, have your personal art rejected, you, you know, you preemptively reject. And so a lot of people, I feel, avoid going to Webtoon because they feel as though they may not fit in. That's something that is sad to me because there are so many, so, so many talented creators that I'm friends with, either that I've met or that I haven't met, but I've seen their work and they're incredible. And I think that it would behoove Webtoon to reach out to some of these people because they are doing incredible work and they just like, I feel like giving them a wider audience would be incredible. Mm. Just the idea of having more 
diversity on the platform, you know, not even just for diversity's sake, but because there are people telling amazing stories from different perspectives, that would be an incredible asset. That would be very valuable. Um, and I just think that people should take the chance. Like people should really try Webtoon, really put their stuff out there. And I think that a lot of people would be surprised at the response that they would get. And so I think it's like, uh, it's a two-pronged issue. I think that it would be cool if Webtoon reached out to more Black creators and it would be cool if more Black creators who aren't on Webtoon, you know, started posting on Webtoon. And I think that that would be really great to just have more of that on the platform. So, it, it, you know, like just having Black creators supported on the platform would be just really awesome because I feel like I've been very fortunate um, to be a Black creator on Originals. And I feel like I would love for there to be way more. I don't want to feel like I'm one in out of, you know, maybe five, you know, five or six, seven, you know, black mm -hmm. original creators. I feel like if there is a richness of stories that could be told, if we just have people from different backgrounds and people with different perspectives coming and telling their stories. Yeah. I just think that'd be great. I definitely have seen the trend and I would love for it to change. And for you as a black creator, you know, what did you kind of learn about your audience or your readers versus maybe what you had expected. I mean, obviously maybe you had a bit of confidence because you were coming from Instagram where you saw that a lot of people already enjoyed what you did, but did you have any of those, you know, reservations that you mentioned before where you're like, well, the webtoon audience like this as well would love to understand that a little bit more. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I think there was, there was a little bit of apprehension hmm. because in addition to my art style, not being very common, I'd say on, on Webtoon, mm -hmm. I also just kind of the idea of having there be black main characters, you know, like the idea that those are the characters we follow. And I feel like there's been a trend in media where by even just having black characters be the main characters or women be the main characters or, or you know, queer people, people in the LGBTQ plus community be main characters, it's inherently making a statement. And I think that people read into that. People will interpret things in a certain way people will take things a certain way. I, I remember I made a comic once um, where it was, it was, I was doing a spin on Fairly Odd Parents and <laughs> I wanted to make a comic about like, this is what I would say to Timmy if I were his fairy godparent, right? Um, <laughs> and so it was just like me kind of calling him out is just like, dude, why are your, why are your wishes so selfish and inefficient? You know, things that I wished I, you know, things that I would yell at the screen when I was a kid and I posted it and it, you know, and it took off but it, it started getting reposted and people changed the caption to if Timmy had a black fairy godparent, where it's like, rather than it being something that's specific to me, it is a statement about, oh, this is how a black person would react to Timmy Turner. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. And so there is an extra subtext that is included just by virtue of having black characters. And I think that sometimes that can attract people to your work. And sometimes that can put people off of your work. They, they assume that you're being political, that you're making a certain statement about something. Sometimes people get defensive about that, you know, like, oh, is this about to start slam dunking on, on, you know, white people are talking about super racial issues. So sometimes they won't give things a chance because of that. So that was something that I was very conscious of going into it. And I was just like, I think part of me was just like, I want people to take this for what it is. And I want people to read my work as it's intended. But of course, once it's out there, you can't control people's reactions to it. Mm. And I think that I was pleasantly surprised. And of course, you have some comments where they can be kind of tone deaf. I don't think I've received many that have been just like outright like racist or, you know, racially ignorant, but like just comments where people are kind of like, people have preconceived notions about certain things, and then they'll 
comment on them, even down to like the way that the characters speak, where people will be like, I envision this voice in my head, or I envision this voice in my head. Whereas when I write the characters, I have very different voices in my head. You know, I think of my own voice, you know, when I think of the main character and people will think of someone like Kevin Hart, you know what I mean? They have this association with other black characters or other black people that they know. And so of course there's that kind of comparison that is drawn naturally, but that's something that, you know, of course I anticipated because it comes with the territory. But overall, I would say that I was pleasantly surprised by my readers because again, they're all very, very nice and supportive. And it's just something that they have accepted as these are our characters. These are our, you know, these are our leads. And I relate so much to this character. And it's people of all backgrounds, you know, you know, people who aren't black can still relate to this character because his personality and his character is more than just, he is a black character. It is, you know, he has aspirations, he has fears, he has goals, he has dreams, he has all of these things that any character would have. And so anybody can relate to this character. And I think that that's something that is very important to me is having a character who may not look like you, but you can still relate to because their personality or their struggles are something that you've related to or you've experienced or something that you can at least sympathize or empathize with. Mm. So that kind of reaction has been really encouraging for me. But yeah, there's there's always that kind of fear of of how those things will be received, you know, especially because, you know, we do have a lot of prejudice in our society and, you know, it's difficult to navigate that sometimes when you're putting your artwork out there. So do you have any advice um, specifically for Black creators who are in the process of creating a canvas comic, have a canvas story out there, anything specific for them? Absolutely. Mainly, it's really simple. Just keep creating, keep putting yourself out there, keep putting your work out there, and it will find the right people. I feel that what I do is very niche, and somehow it's still found the right people. And I think that when you find your audience, you'll realize that the naysayers, you know, they can always read something else. But when you find the audience of people that really like your work, they will go hard for your work. Like they will, mm. they will stay on your work so hard. And so just like I tell this to creators, just like, if you want to make a comic, just do it. Don't think too hard about it. Just do it. Just make the thing and put yourself out there and tell your story in the way that you would tell it. Don't, don't dumb yourself down. I'd say don't change things because you're afraid of how, you know, somebody may receive your character, you know, and so, you know, some people feel maybe I shouldn't have a black main character, even though I would want to. And I say, just no, like I say, keep things as you want to tell them, tell the story in the way that you want to tell it and just keep putting your stuff out there. Because if you really want to make a comic, if you really want to have that be something that you do on a regular basis, you can't let anybody take that away from you. Um, And that's really important. I think that people really need to just, you know, I think that there is an element of just ignoring the negative talk. There is, there's a place for constructive criticism, but when it is just negativity and and vitriol from people who just want to see you fail, you know, those things should be completely blocked out. You just do your thing and just keep creating is my most important piece of advice. A few questions before we uh, move to our kind of last round. Uh, you launched a Patreon uh, a while back. How did you think through the tiers and what you would offer people? And uh, how was that experience for you? I started a Patreon at a time where I didn't really know much about it. Mm. I just knew that it was like a place for you to connect with, you know, your followers and you could like make tiers where you give them stuff, you know, or you you make, you show them behind the scenes work, you know, and they kind of support you financially and and they help you create things in a way that like, 
you know, you're supported. You don't have to worry as much about doing commissions or doing all of these other things because you have a base of people who are supporting you and want to see your work and are getting like sneak peeks of things and, and extra perks. And the way I thought through the tiers is like, for me, I was like, what would I want if I were following an artist and they were like, hey, extras, you know, it's just like, what would I want to see? Hmm. And so a lot of it was just like, I want to see like behind the scenes stuff. I want to see stuff that, you know, the stuff that goes into the process that may not go on the main social media, like the the doodles and the, you know, kind of, you know, wacky stuff that you draw or that's too weird for the public, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so going into it, a lot of it was just like, I draw a lot of stuff that I don't always post, you know, and so it would be cool to, to really, to really share that with people and to, you know, have a smaller group of people who support what I do. And the experience is, is it comes in waves sometimes. I think that especially when I'm working now that I've started working for Webtoon and I'm very, very busy, sometimes I can forget to like post things from my process because mm. I'm so focused on getting the process done quickly that like, yeah. I, I forget to stop and be like, oh, that's a really cool doodle. Oh, that's a really cool pose. That's a really cool sketch. And I'm just like, I need to get it done. I need to get it done. And so I think that something that I, and I know a lot of other artists with Patreon struggle with is that kind of consistency of like posting regularly and making sure you're, you're getting perks out, you know, because, you know, you really want to share behind the scenes stuff, but there are times when it feels like you have no behind the scenes stuff to share. It's all just like, you're doing one thing and you don't even have time for extra art. And so something that's also been a challenge for me is finding ways to balance that and still engage with patrons while also making sure I'm finishing my work on time, um, while also trying to make extra art for the Patreon. And that's always kind of like a, a tightrope act, but Patreon is a great tool. And it's it's something that has really changed things for creators. I've, I've actually met the, the CEO of Patreon. I've spoken to him and he's like, hmm. you know, he's a really cool dude. Like Jack is, he's a really, he's, his entire goal is just to give creators a way to create without worrying about a nine to five as hard, you know, like yeah. to be able to make things and to have the time and the space to do it and to be able to plan to be a creator as a career instead of just hoping for it. Mm. And so that's always something that's really cool for me. And that's a big reason why I use Patreon is because it's like, you know, it gives you access to the personal stuff that a creator wants to share, but may not feel is good enough to share. And also it mm -hmm. gives you a way to directly interact with with followers in a way that's a little bit more, you know, closed off because it can be really overwhelming on social media, especially when you get a lot of DMs. So having a smaller base is really, is really helpful, I think. And are you kind of surprised by, you know, the fact that your readers and fans wanted those things? Was there a part of you that was like, oh, these sketches aren't anything too important or big. I don't understand why people would want to see them. Did you kind of feel that way when you started to put those on, on the Patreon? Absolutely. I, <laughs> I am incredibly critical of my work. And so if I feel that something isn't good enough, I'm just like, well, this, I, I just straight up cannot post this. Like, this is not good enough to post. Like the idea that people want to see my unfinished work or watch me draw, like that is terrifying. The idea of someone watching <laughs> me draw, because I feel as though if someone watches the process, the, the end product becomes less magical. You know what I mean? Like, and that, mm. that worried me. Like when you see how the sausage is made, it's like, yeah, that's going to put you off of it. Because it's like, oh, well, I, I saw him draw and redraw that same line like 16 times. Like, this is way less impressive now. But like, I came to realize that people really do want to see that stuff. They really are intrigued by the process. They really enjoy seeing how your brain works when you draw, how your, 
you know, how you come up with ideas. Um, and I think that's rad. Like just the idea that they give you that space to not be perfect, to not just crank out a finished product. That's really cool to me. Um, and so like, you know, I set up like a, like a discord for, for my Patreon followers and, you know, like I'll stream when I'm drawing in there, you know, I'll like stream mm. when I'm working or like when I'm just like sketching stuff out. And sometimes like I'll take requests and be like, Hey, what do you want to see me draw? Um, and I'll just like chat with people. And I think that it's, it's really cool to connect with people and just like, you know, show them that you're just a person with a pen, you know, like you're just making stuff. And a lot of them really like that. It's encouraging because you're not some far off distant figure. It's like, it's possible for you to do this too, because I'm just a person you can just pick up a tablet and draw too. You know what I mean? It's like, it demystifies the whole process for people and it makes them feel like they could do it. I think that's really cool. And what do you want to see in the future within the webcomic or comic industry? Okay. I definitely want to see webcomics become even more mainstream. I want to see it become like huge. Like the manga industry is huge. I would love to see webcomics become like that level. And of course you have like your lower Olympuses and your let's plays and like your really big series but like i mean just like just as a platform having web comics become like even more popular like and they're shifting in that direction you know they're doing more adaptations they're doing more like print books they're doing all kinds of things to get web comics out there but i think just seeing it become even bigger and seeing how far the medium can go would be really cool and just having it become even more viable option for our creators to get into and, and support themselves doing, I think that would be great. You know, I think a lot of creators work tirelessly, they work long hours. And I think seeing them be comfortable, like just be able to be paid handsomely for what they do, because they put in so much work would be great. Like, I think that seeing it become something where creators are aspiring to it, because it is something that is accessible and something that you know, pays them well and something that they can see as like a really long lasting career option. I think that that would be basically the dream for a lot of people. And I think that that would be something that I personally would really love to see. And what about you? What do you envision in your future? Oh man, that's always a hard question, but <laughs> I love comics. I truly do. And I love making them, but at the same time, I also love animation. Part of me wants to kind of dip my toes into the animation field mm. and kind of see where that goes maybe not necessarily an adaptation of my series you know that would be miraculously amazing but like I think for me it would just be like kind of seeing what else I can do I incorporate animation into my comics all the time and I would love to kind of see what more I could do if I could push that a step further if I could kind of do even more with that and so like I always find myself teetering between web comics long term versus you know shifting more into animation and and, and seeing what's happening in that space but it's it's I think the coolest thing is just having those options open um and so I'm really loving what I'm doing right now and I just love to see where it goes that's super exciting and you know we'll we'll definitely be uh rooting for you and following you wherever your journey takes you but are you ready to close things out with rapid fire round I am ready let's do it <laughs> which fictional character aside from Uche from your own comic best describes your personality Ooh. okay okay my real life personality. Let's see. Okay. This one's, this is a good one because I've always kind of related <laughs> to Gumball from Amazing World of Gumball. <laughs> Not in every way, but I think that there are elements of just constantly joking, just kind of trying to navigate through life and kind of covering the, making up for not knowing what you're doing by just being hilarious. 
is usually how I try to <laughs> go about life. Mm. Uh, and so I feel like that's something that's a very funny part of of the character. Um, and I feel like it kind of describes my my uh, personality sometimes. Which three comics or webtoons would you take with you on a desert island? Ooh, ooh, besides mine? Yeah, besides you. <laughs> okay. Wow, that is that's a that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I gotta take just pancakes with me. Mm. Love that webtoon. I also know the creators. I met I got to meet the creators last year. They're they're so hilarious and their series is just so funny. I I gotta read it just to just to keep my my spirits up because it's hilarious. And this could be any can this be manga too? Yeah, it could be manga too. Okay, Dragon Ball, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I have to take Dragon Ball. I'm pretty sure when I'm in my office, I have a copy of Dragon Ball within arm's reach at all times. <laughs> it is just a classic for me. Love it so much. And then maybe, wow, this is difficult. It's very difficult. This is killing me. Oh my God. <laughs> I didn't think this was such a hard question. Ooh, obviously, sorry. Dr. Stone. Dr. Stone. Hey, that's a practical one. That's a practical you can, you can one. use that exactly yeah. like how do i survive on a desert island there's actual like advice in there and it's <laughs> great so it's like that one might actually get me off the island uh so <laughs> i'm taking that one yeah I've, I've never used anything that they've kind of prescribed in that show so please do it at your own risk but it's, it's a better <laughs> one than a lot of other ones exactly it, it I'm certainly thinking, seems like it'd be useful yeah like which comic would have the highest likelihood not super high but highest of yeah. of of saving me on a desert island i think that's the one What's your favorite scene from any like comic that pops into your head? This could be webcomic, manga, anything. Ooh, 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 ooh. Okay. This is an all time, this is like a, a, an old favorite of mine. I don't know, I don't know if it's really my favorite, but it's the one that comes to mind the most is one that always makes me laugh. There is a scene, and I know I keep saying Dragon Ball, but there's a scene in Dragon Ball <laughs> where there's a tournament going on. There's a fight tournament going on. It's Krillin versus this character, Jackie Chun. And they're fighting. They're like some of the most advanced fighters that anyone's ever seen. And it's like this, you know, they're just fighting and everyone's just like in awe. And there's a part where they clash and it's it happens so fast that nobody knows what happened. And the announcer is just like, what just went on? Like what, what happened in that like short little clash? And then there's like an entire sequence where they're just like, oh, so basically what happened was and then they like reenact it in like slow motion and they're like talking them through what happened in the fight. And they're like, I flew over here and like I landed here and like kicked here. <laughs> and then like they're like helping each other out and like telling how the fight went. And it's just like a funny little moment that happens in the middle of a fight. And I was just like, this is just it's comedy gold to me. Like, that's just that's so like, how do you even think of that? Like, that's just really funny. But that's that's just like an all time favorite of mine. That's one that immediately comes to mind for me. If you had the chance to get dinner with a creator that you haven't met yet, who would it be? Ooh, okay. Probably Rachel Smythe. And I know that that's like, that's got to be a common answer. But, mm. you know, she created Lore Olympus and, you know, she started on Canvas and she has, you know, graduated to being like the biggest webtoon ever. And it's just, I mean, it's just bonkers to me that we're in the same field somehow um hmm. like imposter syndrome is real um but like just being able to like kind of pick her brain about like the platform and how she's kind of gotten to the point that she's at understanding how she makes her series so appealing and how she connects with people so well and like getting her thoughts on it trying to understand like what inspired her to make the comic the way that it is because it's really really good it's like a great 
Um, and I just kind of like love to get her thoughts on it and just like industry tips from a professional, you know, you gotta, you know, gotta aim mm. high. Um, but if I had to pick someone outside of the industry, I'd love to sit down with Hayao Miyazaki. Like that would, mm. I would cry. I would cry <laughs> tears all over the place. He's incredible. And just like every time I watch any kind of documentary about him and his process, I'm just like, that man is an artist to his soul. Like I yeah. would just love to just like talk to him one-on-one. -on -one. That would change my life. It may be a slightly awkward dinner for him with all the crying, but it's really yeah. good moments for you, so it's totally fine. Yeah, no, that's a good point. <laughs> I, maybe I'll just do all my crying in the car. Beforehand. And then finally, if you could have dinner with a fictional character, who would it be? Ooh, fictional character. That's a challenge. That's a challenging one. This is this is actually this is harder than the three comics one. This is, <laughs> this, is this is this is a real this is a real head scratcher because I have to factor in, all right, am I getting information from this person? Is this person like just eating like a lot of food? Is this just like, cause I can't say Goku cause he's just going to be eating the whole time. I'm not going to even talk to him. Wow. Who would I even get dinner with? Who would be interesting to sit and talk to? Is it okay if I have like one and a half answers here? Sure. Okay. I think I would. Yeah. Right. Um, I would love to talk to Asakusa from Keep Your Hands Off Aizuken. It's an anime about this school club where essentially they want to make an, an anime. Mm -hmm. It's an anime about making an anime. The, like, the main character is just like this really intensely passionate girl who's just like, I really want to make this anime. No one's going to stop me. And she like spends so much time just explaining how animation works and how she wants to make this anime. And she's like going to make this anime club at any cost. And just getting to like let her rant about animation over the course of an entire evening would be like the greatest thing ever. I think I think she'd just be hilarious to talk to too. And then my half answer is uh, Hinata from Haikyuu because uh... he's just again. I think the thread here, like the trend, is just passionate characters who would happily talk my ear off about something that they care about. I think that would be super cool. Just like sitting down and having him gush about volleyball and talk about his dreams and stuff. Like that's just. I feel like that would be a good time. Uh, and he's just like off the walls bonkers. So that would just be really fun for me. So I think those are my my two answers if I had to choose. Awesome. Well, listener, please check out Vibe Check on Webtoon. And if you're too lazy to do that, and I don't know why you would be, you can check out Uchama on Instagram. There are so many funny posts on there. And Uche, thank you so much for uh taking some time to talk to us today. I had a ton of fun and I learned a bunch. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. This is a blast. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any feedback or want to be featured as our next guest, please write to us at pixelsandpanelspod at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe, like, or give us a five-star rating. See you all next week.